0: Hello and welcome to Season 4 of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Pay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, I never thought we'd make it this far. You know, after every season, we're always like, alright, I think that was it. I think that was the end. But we always keep coming back. And I'll be honest, I'm happy to be back. I was, I was very excited this morning waking up to record this podcast. And also, you know, I know we're still trucking along preseason. And I can't wait for the regular season to tip off because I don't know how your sports fandom's been going. But the Yankees, pretty hype. We got that game later on today. Had that tough loss though in Houston. But then you put the Yankees aside, you got the Giants, horrible. Knicks, horrible. Nets, I don't want to hop on the bandwagon. So I'm really looking forward to a nice season of Villanova basketball. How are you feeling? Welcome back. How have you been? How was your break? How was your vacation? How we doing?
1: I'm thrilled for the season, but Eugene, you know my football team's doing okay for themselves. So I'm okay on that front. Also, hockey team, very exciting off season, although a very bad start to the regular season. But yeah, no other than that, I had a great time away. You know, able to unwind from Villanova basketball. Now I'm ready to get right back into it. Ready to talk some Villanova hoops. Uh, it's that time of the year. I'm always excited for Big East Media Day. Just like yourself, you're always there. But my time away was great. Accomplished some personal things. Saw a bunch of my friends get married. So congrats to them. You know who you are. So, yeah, this is a great time. I'm glad to be back. Hope, uh, hope you had a successful and fun time away as well.
0: Oh, yeah, everything's been pretty good. You know, I'm not going to lie. There were a few times where I was like, oh, Kyle Lowry just won a championship. Should we get together and record? And it's like, I'm enjoying my vacation right now. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I honestly kind of forgot that even happened. I forgot all about the NBA championship.
0: Oh. Yeah, the NBA has changed so much that it, it feels like an eternity ago. Like, none of the teams look the same.
1: No, they don't. Kawhi's gone. LeBron's got AD now. The Nets are the – yeah. I know you don't want to join the Nets bandwagon, but, hey, you know, I, I was a New Jersey Nets fan. i not really – I haven't really cared since they moved to Brooklyn, but I, I might hop back on. Might hop back on. We'll see. We'll see.
0: If we can get a Villanova player on there, maybe I'll consider it. Maybe. Maybe. You know, they had Randy Ford for a while. They did. They <sighs> did. And he's got his own podcast, too. He's a, he's a fellow podcaster. He's got his own show. He's I got mean. his own network. Yeah, he I Heard it's actually pretty good. So, Chris, we got a lot to talk about here. Yeah. You know, let's dive into it. <laughs> we're just like chopping at the bits here for some Villanova action. We got the mm-hmm. exhibition later this week, which is going to be real interesting. We're going to talk more on that on Thursday, but for now we got to mm-hmm. talk about the other stuff. We got to talk about some preseason housekeeping. It was big East media day as you mentioned last Thursday at Madison Square Garden. Always exciting. Always good to see all the coaches, all the players back. You know that in five months or so that the garden's going to be rocking and everything's going to be different once March comes around. But during October, it's a little more chill. It's a a little more laid back. It's an opportunity for journalists and reporters to come talk to players, talk to coaches, and, you know, just see what the vibe is like going to preseason. Chris, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you heard, but for the first time Mm -hmm. in five years, Villanova's not preseason number one in the conference. (laughs)
1: Oh, really? And who would, who would be number one, Eugene?
0: It was a slim margin, and, like, I can get why they were going that way and why, you know, the coaches thought this way. But by one point, Seton Hall is now the new preseason number one, followed mm-hmm. by Nova, then you got Xavier, then you got Providence and Marquette, and then everyone else.
1: Like, you used like, Marquette, like, top five in, like, their way-too-early season like pre-game or uh, preseason rankings and then the the Hauser brothers, are, yeah, we're out. That's a pretty big hit. But yeah, also like you said, scene hall number one. Man, it adds fuel to the fire, I guess. It adds fuel to the rivalry. I mean, do they deserve it? Sure. They got a really good team over there. But is it better than that Delgado and the Los Pirates teams of the past? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe against this type of competition it is, but they're I mean they got a great player in Powell. They got Kale as well. But like I don't know. I, I think a lot of it a lot of it has to do with the unknown of Villanova with this freshman class coming in and see how the development of the sophomore and junior class is. But, yeah, I mean, hey, look, I'm all for a little bit more parity, but I, I still think Villanova should come out on top here.
0: Totally with you on that. I'm not going to put anyone else until I see it. You know, Villanova has just been running the conference. And then even when it's like, oh, man, I wonder how they're going to do it now, they always seem to find a way. And right. kudos Scene Hall, you know, I love Miles Powell. I love the other Miles and Miles Kale, Sanjay Vili. Like, you know, they're fun to watch. Willard, you know, it's something different and it gets the people going. Like at Big East Media Day, while it was weird to see Nova not number one, it was nice because there was like a huge horde of reporters around Kevin Willard, and that allowed for a lot of one-on-one time with Jay Wright and Colin Gillespie, Dada, and Jermaine Samuels. So, you know, you got to get their vibe. And like I said before. Until I see them get dethroned, I don't know if I can give it to someone else. I understand why everyone's all about Seton Hall. But this is going to be one of those things where, you know, like how I was so down on Marquette last year. A couple years before that, it was Xavier. I think Seton Hall is going to be good. But I would not be surprised if they're at fourth or third. I think that one thing that we saw last year is, and I think, Last year helped me realize this, and I don't know if it was because of a younger team or, you know, it was such an Eric Pascal, Phil Booth show, but it's actually, when you don't have the world's best offense and you don't have <laughs> record breakers, the Big East is not easy, and no, it, it really is a dogfight. You know, there were a couple games where Nova just kind of slipped and fell, and it was just one of those, they would win any other day, but they just chose to, you know, have a mental lapse, and they lost. You look at Marquette. They were leading the oh, race yeah. they at one point they had the regular season title in their hands.
1: They collapsed they ran, at the yeah,
0: ran out of gas,,
1: yeah. and, and it showed them the tournament too and, oh, and the biggest yeah, tournament in oh, the play oh, tournament, like, god, oh, they yeah. didn't even try like i'm not I'm not, I shouldn't say they didn't even try, but they they looked awful, awful, they literally ran out of gas, they personified that saying right there yeah and and
0: while I love miles Powell, you look at the. The rest of the team around him, like you said, is this better than Angel Delgado, Desi Rodriguez, Kadine Carrington, and Miles Powell when they had the core four together? I don't know about that. As good as that was and as experienced as they were, they didn't really run through the conference or they didn't make as much noise as I thought they would. Maybe Willard's, you know, learned from the last couple of years. I welcome the challenge. I love it. You know, I, th- I know that there's been a little bit of a rivalry brewing with Nova and Scene Hall. And I-, I guess I shouldn't say a little bit. I think at this point, it's pretty acknowledged, you would say, right?
1: For sure. I, I think they care more about us than we do them. But it's, I mean, hey, that's that's fine. That's fine with me. I I like going into their building and beating them and getting rowdy with them. And, you know, we've had some great meetings in the Big East Tournament these past few years. It, it's all it's all in good fun. I do hate them, though. But it's, it's all good fun.
0: <laughs> I do welcome the challenge. I like it. You know, I, I do think this year is going to be fun. I'm still going to give Nova number one. Yeah, until I see it. I don't know if I can, I can hand it off to someone else. I do think that yeah. it will definitely be a dogfight. Like, don't get me wrong, Nova versus Jean Hall is not going to be easy. But when I look at mm-hmm. who's equipped for the marathon, I don't know right. if Jean Hall has it. You know, like I think they definitely get up for the big games. Yeah, but they're but gonna have do to do. They get up to the here.
1: Wednesday nights against like the poll, like, you know, yeah. like the last yeah. year they lost, didn't they lose the Paul twice last year? They seem to like just go through the motions in the non-big games, but for the big games, you're right. They get up for it. Now, I, I, I guess that's the type of Coach Willard is. I've always said that, you know, Team Hall's like a kid on a sugar rush. Like they always play the, the emotion of the crowd and the emotion of the team. If they're on a roll, if, they, they, if there's no danger, more dangerous team in the Big East than Team Hall, then the, they have some momentum going. But if they, like, you know, if they're just kind of going through the doldrums of the season, like, they might drop a few games here and there. And that's where I think Villanova is able to differentiate themselves against the rest of the crowd. They can beat those teams like on Wednesday night, late Wednesday night games, you know, at the Pavilion. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, like you said, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I'm hard-pressed to give it to anybody else, uh, the preseason title anyway. But I think with the fact that a lot of Villanova is unknown at this point, it's, it's a lot easier to give it to the known commodities of Powell, Kale, and Mama was they like to the section, they call him over there.
0: It's a preseason poll,
1: you know. It, yeah, it, it, I, I know, I know.
0: I was happy for because you know it got the comment section going. You know, I know everyone's a little, everyone's getting a little excited. You know, I like it. I like it. You know, I love the extra competition. But mm-hmm. I will say before we move on from the preseason polls, I don't know what the coaches are doing. Someone's got to wake them up because they're sleeping on Creighton. Creighton's pretty much got everybody back <laughs> except for a Crample. I don't know if everyone remembers, but that was a dangerous offense. Dangerous.
1: They were. They almost beat Villanova at the Pavilion last year and took them to overtime. when Villanova was like, like top 15 at the time, I think. Yeah, they're good. They were very good offense. It was just the defensive end, obviously, that kind of sunk them. I'll take your word for it. I, i I'll, I think every team is pretty, pretty dangerous right now. I mean, you always see like a team at the bottom of the preseason poll. You're like, oh wow, that's kind of weird. And then they end up doing good. Like last year it was like Xavier. Then they ended up doing pretty well for themselves. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. There's always one team that surprises.
0: If it's not Creighton, I can see it being St. John's if they get that extra waiver. Because I, I don't know about you, I don't know what you've seen <laughs> about Mike Anderson, but seems a lot more competent. I, I love Chris Mullen, and I think you know he was great for the program. <laughs> but like I said, like I've said before on this show, he was not the brains of the operation. He was he was doing everything else right. Just not the X's mm-hmm. and O's.
1: Yeah, no, uh, that, that's for sure. That was pretty apparent, especially toward the end of the year with uh, St. John. New era St. John's basketball and a lot of new eras across the, the Big East board there. But it, it'll, be, it'll make for a fun year, as it always does.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely looking forward to it. As we look at some of the individual awards, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. We got a pretty nice class coming in. JRE is leading the way. He's that five-star recruit. I really hope he lives up to the hype and... You know, so far, you know, everything seems to be good. But I would love for him to take home those Biggies freshman of the year honors by the time we're, you know, in March and April.
1: Yeah, I, I hope so, too. And if Villanova's going to do anything in the Biggies this year, I think a lot, a lot depends on him. He's a big boy. He came he, – kind of a – was he like late commitment? Not late commitment, but a little later in the process. No, am I, am I incorrect in that statement?
0: Yeah, he was like uh, – he was after, like, Dixon and, and more.
1: Right. Yeah. So, you know, kind of got him a little later in the process and then you you saw him like go off in like that one tournament featured like all the big high schools. And he's a big boy. (laughs) I I mean, he's going to feast the... And I, I really hope we can see a, a freshman just explode. We were waiting for it all last year with JQ and it never happened. And <laughs> Swider had his limited time and and Slater barely played. So it would be nice to finally uh, see a freshman go off. I, I can't wait to see what he brings to the table because I have not seen any game action of him. I haven't seen any of the scrimmages. I've only seen a few highlight tapes here and there. and We all know what highlight tapes do. They make you look like a Hall of Famer. So I, I just can't wait to see him get out there and just light the world on fire. And I think a lot more onus is going to be put on him because uh, Brian Antoine, I know you got a little bit of hot water over Big East media Day for tweeting out that one quote, um, if you want to go into that for a bit.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, well, I mean, it was just like, you know, when Jay red said that he might be redshirting, okay, so this sounds pretty newsworthy. So I did tweet it, but, you know, the whole time I didn't, I wasn't, like, panicking because it just sounded like he was just kind of covering his bases. Oh, you never know. You know, he hasn't touched the basketball in six months. Uh, he really hasn't practiced. We don't know if he's in shape. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm sure Jay Wright left M- Madison Square Garden. He's got Mike Sheridan on his side. And then they just see that the stories on ESPN and Bleacher Report, and they're like, oh, we need to put some cold water on this. We need to calm some people down because uh, this is just, wow, Uh, yeah, this kind of blew up a lot bigger. But uh, as Brendan Riley came and he he followed up at the blue and white scrimmage that night, Brian Antoine's okay. He chucked up some threes before the scrimmage. Uh, Jay Wright did say that he is not going to redshirt him. We will be seeing him hopefully sooner rather than later, but everything seems to be going on track, so we should see him in December. But uh, Jay Wright, playing the mental games, playing, playing the games early.
1: Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I hope Antoine's able to play because, it's like, not, it's like that, that type of injury is, like, really debilitating, too. I want to know I haven't suffered with it, but, like, just from all accounts from past players, it just seems just awful. So hopefully he's able to get back out there and hopefully we get to see the Antoine and JRE show uh, fully uh, light up the Villanova court for at least uh, a year or two. Besides, I mean, besides the injury with Antoine, I mean, obviously with Jerry, we're going to need the big, big minutes up front. I mean, obviously with Pascal gone, you're losing a big chunk of minutes in the front court. So Jerry coming in and you got Samuels, you got DCR, you got your your, your usual suspects there. You're going to need all these big minutes up front. And. JRE right now is the prime candidate to take over for the lost minutes from Pascal. Um, I mean, uh, uh, well, obviously Sadiq Bay too. Can't forget him. Just want to throw him in there before I get yelled at. So I mean, but JRE right now, prime candidate to take over, and he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of uh, responsibilities early on. But I think if there's one freshman to do it, he can. But we said about JQ last year, so I'm gonna be a little hesitant this time around. But I trust.
0: Yeah, it was tough because last year's incoming freshman class, like I was so hyped for it. You know me. I was- I was ready to die on JQ Hill, but oh,
1: me and you both, buddy. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh It definitely taught me to be a little more hesitant this time around. But I'm, I'm not gonna lie. You know, as we get closer to the season, I'm ready to go all in on this class. I'm very pumped up for this class. I really think that all five guys can be something at some point, whether it be this mm-hmm. season or you know over the next couple of years. But I'm really excited to see what this class can do. It's, it's definitely Jay Wright's best. in I think the the '09 class is technically ranked like. higher according to
1: 247 but uh it's it's Mm -hmm. one of
0: his highest all time
1: yeah you know before we were recording i was kind of thinking about i was like wait a minute when was the last time they had like big big time class like this i mean last year was kind of big but then obviously flamed out but yeah i guess you know nine with what was that oh that was what what, wayne's Yeah, yeah yeah yes those lovely casting characters. So yeah, <laughs> uh, hopefully it's <laughs> a little. Hopefully it's a I mean, uh, yeah, that's, yeah that's my boy. obviously, obviously, that's Muf my boy. obviously, Moth was great. Not bashing him in the slightest. I'm not really bashing any of them, really. But it's you know, we, we all know how that ended up. Uh, yeah. So yeah, let's hope, let's hope it's a little bit better this time around with a little bit more winning and no 11-12 replicas.
0: And you know, just rounding off the last of the individual accolades. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but the preseason all biggies teams. While uh, I know a lot of people clamoring for Sadiq Bay, and totally understandable, you know, Sadiq Bay was great last year and he really stepped it in. You know, he was one of those unheralded guys or no, I shouldn't say unheralded. He was like the late addition to the recruiting class because he decommitted and then Nova right. kind of snagged him and then, you know, everyone was looking at JQ, Swider, everybody else. And then we heard about the UNC secret scrimmage and how he lit them up. And then it was like, who is this guy? And then all through the preseason, everyone was hyping him up. And he delivered. You know, he was he was one of those guys who stepped into the starting role and, and really did a pretty good job, especially early on. But mm-hmm. the all big east preseason accolades went to Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels. And yes, Bay should have had his props too. Like I understand why people are upset, but I'm actually looking at this very cool. I think this is very cool. If you look at how far Samuels and, and Gillespie has come, you know, there were times where we, you know, they've gotten their yeah. flack. We've yeah. dished out their <laughs> flack, but yeah. you know, just like Colin Gillespie, when he, when he committed, we were like, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know yeah. about this guy. And then yeah. Jermaine Samuels freshman year where he just kind of looked like a deer in the headlights but you know, mm-hmm. seeing how they're considered the two best coming in, and they're going to be part of our senior—I shouldn't say senior leadership, but the veteran leadership—it's pretty cool to see how far they've come.
1: For sure. It, it, I mean, yes, it's just a preseason poll and whatever, but it is—it is a little uh, benchmark, I guess, to see how far they come, as you've elegantly put there. Uh, yeah, Gillespie, like you said, kind of an afterthought in the whole big thing, and he played pretty well as freshman year in limited minutes, and then last year. Expected to take on a bigger role, and he did okay for himself. He had he started off all right, then he had a a really bad stretch in the middle there, and then kind of toward the end of the year, he was up and down. And then, yeah, Jermaine caught fire at the end of the year. I mean, who can forget his big time game against Marquette? I feel like he's going to be the X factor. He's going to be every everything's going to go through him. It has to be. If he can just take that next big step, it's going to be Villanova is going to just you know, same old Villanova, and. It's looking like Gillespie's going to be running the backcourt, too. So, hopefully they can live up to their preseason uh, billing and Villanova can win a few more games here. But it's uh, it's great to see that they've developed into these type of players that, honestly, we did not think in the slightest they'd ever become. Trust the process, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if Jermaine Samuels can continue that big game Jermaine swing, oof,
1: mm-hmm.
0: oof, it's going to yeah. be nice. It's going to be nice because the last – month and a half of Jermaine Samuels or two months last year was really good.
1: If he can keep that up for every game, I mean, I know lot stuff to do. But if he can be big game Jermaine for every game, watch out.
0: We're going to get Brendan on the line here. We're going to see if he can talk to us, give us the lowdown on the blue-white scrimmage. And uh, we're, we're going to be right back after a message from our sponsors. All right, we're joined now by Brendan. Brendan, long time, no see. How have you been? Welcome back to Welcome. State of Nova
2: Welcome back, boys. It's good to have you back in the fold here. That's getting the cobwebs out of the way just in time for Halloween.
0: Oh, there were mm-hmm. there were way too many cobwebs, and we could count. Way too many. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, glad to have you back, but glad to be back. Oh, yeah. We're happy to have you on here, especially because you had the behind-the-scenes look. You had the up-close-and-personal look at the blue-and-white scrimmage, so you were there. First off, I, before we even get into the game, it looked like it was like a, a cool event this year. Like that, you know, they had the Q and A, they had some players out there. How was it? And it looked like there was like a huge crowd there in the lower deck.
2: There was that. Uh, it turns out that was actually a, uh, a another event that was happening prior to the blue white scrimmage. But uh, I was able to uh, sneak in, get a, a, a sneak peek in there, and and. Uh, Here's some of the information that came out. Most importantly that Brian Antoine will not be considering a red shirt this season. Which was wonderful to hear. Uh, Unfortunately, I also was there to hear that uh, Colin Gillespie broke his nose that week and that he's going to miss this week's USC game. He'll probably be wearing a mask for a few weeks. That might carryover into the season uh we'll see how his recovery goes but um i believe uh monday was the day that he had the uh small procedure just to have the nose realigned fixed, put in the right place and hopefully uh everyone continues to rehab and recover successfully
0: yeah definitely that's all you can hope for at this point I, I I'm really glad to hear that Antoine's going to be okay. I was glad that you were able to get the confirmation from Jay himself. I was glad that he was able to clear that one
2: up. Cause that was a little bit of a firestorm. <laughs> just, just a tad. Uh, well, and the other great thing was to actually see Antoine shooting uh, in the shoot prior to the game and shooting with no issues, no pain looked like he was hitting everything. So I know they're not putting him into full practice or like even participating in practice until sometime next month, but uh, it certainly looks like he's going and doing basketball activities on his own or in some manner. I'm by no means a doctor, but I would say that his recovery is uh, progressing well.
1: Speaking of other injuries, do we happen to know how Colin broke his nose?
2: Great That, question. Would, be, that would be a uh, Demir Cosby Roundtree elbow to the face. <laughs> oh, uh, God. Un- unintentional. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, those are some big bows to, to catch across the schnoz there. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. want to do it myself. <laughs>
1: no, they got to start practicing in bubble wrap, especially Gillespie. He was hurt last <laughs> year, too, wasn't he? Didn't he get concussed
2: last year in practice? Wasn't that a thing? Uh, yeah, but that time it was Quinterly that got him, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Quinterly
0: <laughs> took him out so he could play the UConn game. <laughs>
1: yeah, the one of... game so he can transfer to a respectable school. Yeah,
2: that's uh, crazy. He's, oh, he couldn't hurt. But it, injuries aside, it was a great evening. Um, they... Uh, you know, had a couple of the alumni, uh, on hand, Jay specifically sat down and spoke with, uh, Chris Jenkins, uh, Daryl Reynolds and, um, Tony Chanel. And, uh, just reminiscing about old times at Villanova talking, uh, briefly about the upcoming season, but more just about, you know, you know, the normal Villanova hype, uh, which we all love. Uh, and, uh, Then it was time for tip-off. It was uh, without Antoine or Gillespie in the game and with the uh, walk-on sitting on the bench as reserves. uh, It was an even five-on-five. So everybody that was available other than those uh, four I mentioned played the entire game. It was uh, three 10-minute games. With coach stoppages as needed, really they just took timeouts at about what would be the five-minute mark in each game, and then in the if there was a stoppage within the last minute or so, uh, Jay would walk over and have the scores table change the score to simulate a close end game scenario uh, for whoever had the ball. Um, but uh, yeah, there was definitely a lot to learn. From the evening, a lot of people, players rather, impressed me. Some, uh, I wouldn't say anyone looked bad by any means. I just would say that there was a few people, a few players, that left me wanting more uh, than what we were able to see. Granted, we're talking about thirty minutes of scrimmage basketball, so I don't want to take anything <laughs> definitive, definitive out of this. But there was certainly some lessons to be learned.
0: Who did you want to see more of? I think the guy that had the quietest night
2: would be Brandon Slater it's understandable why he did. He spent most of every single game matched up against Sadiq Bay or Jermaine Samuels. So when you're going against two of the team's best players, it's, it's hard to have a breakout performance. Um, But, you know, all the buzz around the team in the summer. And uh, as you heard at big East media day from some of the other players was that Slater is one to watch this year. So, uh, like I said, I, I didn't get to see a lot out of him, but a lot of that was just because he was either being defended by Bay or Samuels or trying to defend Bay or Samuels. He certainly held his own in some uh, areas. In fact, one on one drive, uh, I believe he uh, either stripped Bay or blocked Bay. He had a great defensive play against Bay. And then later in the game, he had uh, – Beautiful pick and roll with uh, Eric Dixon, where he was uh, had the ball, Dixon set the pick, he went around him and just dropped a gorgeous bounce pass that gave Dixon the easiest dunk of the night. Uh, the, other, the other person that I would say I would have liked to see more of, uh, and it's a little more specified, but would have been Demir cosby uh, I, I mean, his rebounding is absolutely still there, especially on the offensive glass. The guy can pull him down. He's just still not being as aggressive as I'd like to see him under the basket or when he gets those offensive rebounds. He's not showing the same type of of power or tenacity that we saw in the uh, AdvoCare Invitational last year where he won the MVP and was practically a double-double machine. If he can get some of that back or at least start putting back a percentage of the offensive rebounds he's grabbing – he could potentially be putting up eight to 10 points a night uh, along with eight to 10 rebounds a night. And on this team, that's phenomenal considering the offense he's going to have around him. I saw some
0: of our commenters last year. And one of the things that I disagreed with is that they thought that DCR was hurting the team just because he wasn't a shooter. Like, I, I don't know where that came from just because we had Amari Spellman for one year that like lit it up from deep and can do it inside. But, DCR was super efficient, especially through the Advocate Invitational. I definitely wanted to see more of that and also, you know, any kind of performance that comes close to replicating it because he is not useless at all. He, he's got that toughness. He can rebound. He can eat the glass. And he can definitely score it inside when needed.
2: Now, in fairness to our readers, we are a perfect one in one on national championships when we have a center that can shoot over 40% <laughs> from three. But... <laughs> I agree with you. I love Samir cosby Roundtree. I think he's a phenomenal piece. I think he's the team's best rebounder, uh, and uh, I think he's a perfect guy to hold down uh, the center spot uh, when in, in there are a number of lineups. Now, there's certain times when you need to go play faster or you need to get some more shooting up there. If you need to come back and throw up a torrent of threes, yeah, you got to take him out of the game. But in way more than half of the scenarios I'm happy to have him on the floor and I know
1: it's only 30 minutes of scrimmage basketball like you said but can you give me some impressions of how the freshman looked
2: obviously outside of Antoine because he wasn't on the court let's start with the big name Jeremiah Robinson Earl won the Big East freshman of the year earlier that day Uh, he had a solid game Um, he didn't put up anything spectacular on the you know scoreboard that you would think of He was in good positioning for rebounding. Really what stood out is his ability to move through the paint, through a defense. The guy looks like he's doing ballet out there while everyone is standing still. He spins, he cuts, he moves. He has phenomenal footwork for a freshman. The one thing that I would have liked to see a little more of, and I think can develop throughout the year is when you watch the film of him at the high school level, and even in the under-19 games in, um, it overseas, he was a phenomenal passer from the inside. And I was starting to get ideas that, you know, could Villanova start running its offense through the center like they did when Daniel Chafu was in his senior year? And I, I got really excited at the prospect of that. From what I saw today, his handle, his, uh, his passing ability on the interior – wasn't as strong as I uh, thought it might be right off the bat. Still was very good, uh, and I'm not knocking anything from the guy. He is going to be one of the key pieces for Villanova, and we're going to need him to be quite successful if they're going to um, have a shot at pulling off another Big East championship this year. Uh, The big guy to watch out for right now is Justin Moore. Because with Gillespie being injured for the next month, Moore is being elevated to the starting role at point guard. He will start for the Wildcats this week um, in California when they take on USC in that exhibition game. So uh, he is a skilled scorer. He can shoot from outside. He can dribble in and finish at the the hoop. He can pull up. He has a mid-range game as well. That part of his game is 100% there. He doesn't have an elite handle, but he has a very good one. Same with his passing, but he wasn't a true point guard coming out of high school. So I think that's something that will develop more as he becomes more and more of a ball handler at the college level. The bad news about that is you know, you are going to see some, fresh, some rookie mistakes. The good news about that is he doesn't have any uh, really flaws that he needs to get worked out of him at this level. He's just a raw talent when it comes to ball handling. Um, And then on the defensive end, he's scrappy. He'll get up into you. Uh, I liked what I saw there. I especially loved what I saw in transition from him, both offensively and defensively. He was disruptive. He slowed people down on defense and he was not afraid to push the tempo and Move the ball up the court on offense, which is something I know people have been screaming about since Jay slowed everything down a lot last year. The last guy of the uh, ranked prospects in the top 100 was Eric Dixon. And uh, as I wrote in my piece about, uh, about the scrimmage, my, the last, last thing thought I had about Dixon was, I don't know how you keep this guy off the court. He was phenomenal. He may not have been a big scorer, so people might knock him for that, but he does everything you need a player to do to win games. He's a rebounder. He's a big body defender. He was bodying up Jeremiah Robinson Earl, which is a big part of of why I think he wasn't putting up big numbers in scoring that night. He was, you know, setting up pick and rolls. He he is amazing at finding space on the court. You talk about like a wide receiver in football that knows how to just find the zone and sit down in it. That's what he does on offense. He just finds open spaces where driving uh, ball handlers or cutters can just dish balls to him and he can finish at the rim. Or, as we've seen before, he has the ability to step out behind the arc and hit threes. He's so versatile. I think he's going to be a huge mismatch for people. His, his problem right now is that he's a freshman. He's a raw talent. You can see that You know he, he still has work to do on the interior with his footwork. He has work to do on the outside with some of his ball handling. So he's by no means a complete product. But he's very, very exciting as far as a prospect goes. And what he'd be able to contribute even immediately is above, I think, where some people might have thought he would have been at this point. Uh, and the last guy is Chris uh, who a lot of people are wondering, how much is he going to be like his brother? What can he actually bring to the offense? And the answer is that he can be a spot-up shooter for the Wildcats. He can also be a backup, backup, backup point guard. It's not that his skills aren't there. It's just that the athleticism, while better than many might have thought it, it was, is, is not at the elite level of some of the guys he's going to have to face in the Big East and in the NCAA tournament, possibly. So I would say that he can come in. He can absolutely shoot. He might end up being a better shooter, percentage-wise, than his brother was. Um, and of course, you saw the patented Archdiacano Archie diving on the court. I had a count of my count tally going. He was on the court at least three times, diving for the ball. Once I know he uh, disrupted uh, a what could have been a fast break. Ended up getting a steal. He by far had the most energy of anyone in any of the games, uh, which is exactly what you want to want to see out of a guy that's going to give his level of contribution. Uh, I think career-wise, you're looking at somebody that could turn into a really strong role player for the Wildcats, but uh, I, I, right now I don't see him cracking the starting lineup in his career, and as far as his contributions this year, uh, he's going to be a guy that can fill in for injury. He's going to be a guy that you don't mind having out there a couple minutes a game, but when Jay eventually starts cutting the rotation down, which is going to happen at some point – Arch is probably the first guy that sits on the end of the bench. Well, thank you for po- painting a beautiful picture there for, of all the
1: freshman class because a <laughs> little in the dark about all that and uh, other than a few highlight tapes here and there. So we have Gillespie and Samuels on the preseason, uh, getting preseason accolades. We have this all-star freshman class coming in and a guy slipping under the radar, Sadiq Bay. How did he look? And do, we th- do you think we'll see uh, some point forward in the near future?
2: Absolutely. You will see some point forward uh, Friday. Friday, you will see point forward as (laughs) Sadiq Bay is your backup point guard. Um, I'm going to steal some more from my article. I'm going to steal some more from my article, but after the, after last year's blue white scrimmage, I went from thinking that Sadiq Bay was going to be a red shirt to thinking that Sadiq Bay was going to be Villanova's rookie of the year. After this year's blue white scrimmage, I think Sadiq Bey is going to be the team's leading scorer and best player. I don't know how you stop him. He can go and get a bucket. He's tremendously improved his ball handling. He can drive it inside. He can pull up at mid-range. He can hit from three. He's playing point guard. He's also a power forward. He's also a wing. He's also a shooting guard. I, I don't know what more you can ask for this guy, and his defense is stepped up as well. He is going to be Villanova's best player. He's going to be the guy that you want the ball to end up with in his hands when we need a basket at the end of a game. Sadiq Bay. the rumors about him being another possible wild that cat that could leave along with the one-and-done candidates – I think that talk is real. I don't know if it actually happens. We have to see it play out. But I'm convinced enough to think that there's more than just rumor to those talks. Sadiq Bey looked absolutely amazing. And if he was the best player on the court, the best new player on the court, was Daniels. Now, he's basically going into his junior year. So he should have been the best new guy on the court. But I think in the first game, he had the first seven points for his team. Uh, He, he just looks like a guy that is going to be, when he's able to finally join the Wildcats, not just a role player, but a guy that could start for Villanova. Uh, It would not surprise me if he is a starting guard before he graduates. Um, he just looked that good, and he can flat-out score. Uh, the defense is, is solid, still needs some work, but he can flat-out score.
0: Brendan, you are getting me so excited right now. You have no idea. I'm, like, standing up right now. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like I'm pumped. I love versatile positionless basketball. I love Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I swear if we see Giannis Bay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my mind. I'm gonna lose my mind. I am so hyped.
2: I can't wait. I can't All wait for right. this USC exhibition. I I did not say that Bay is Giannis. I'm not. No. No. Yeah. Oh, definitely. No. 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 NBA MVP. Oh no, no. But, I'm
0: just I'm just going off the whole like he can do anything out there and he could be that guy. He could be that guy.
2: He he can be. He showed flashes of it. Again, it's a 30 minute scrimmage. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let's th- let's not confuse ourselves by imagining that these guys were playing at top speed oh yeah but, <laughs> I know. I know I, I have to but, hold myself back a little bit right but he absolutely was able to beat his man um, and in the first <laughs> game he he won the first game for his team with a buzzer beater uh, when he was going up against Samuels as, as the guy defending him so he, he can do it. He can go get a bucket when Villanova needs him to get a bucket. Um, as far as the other guys, we didn't see Gillespie. Samuels looked great. He looked exactly as you want him to look. It, it, he looked the same as he did at the end of last season. Samuels just showed such tremendous improvement in such a variety of areas that it kind of uh, overshadowed what Samuels could do. Now, Samuels, for his part, took advantage of a lot of good plays, was finding his way inside the paint, was dunking as if he was trying to rip the rim off the backboard or that it owned owned him money or something to that extent because it was phenomenal watching him play. The question for Samuels is going to be how much further he steps up. The most impressed I've been with him this summer has actually been in the Pan America games where he was basically playing shooting guard and looking phenomenal doing it. In fact, I think winger shooting guard is really where we want him to end up this year, because he can shoot from the outside. He can beat his man off the dribble and get inside. And uh, at the scrimmage, he was showing the ability to to pass off the off penetration. So if he can continue to develop all that, if he can continue to add elements to his game, he's going to be even better than the uh, big game Jermaine we saw last year. Hold on. I haven't even mentioned Cole Swider yet. Because <laughs> this guy, tail of intergalactic a- range, is it finally showing? <laughs> so here's what happened. And I think this is going to be true of Swider all year. He's not going to start for Villanova. I, I've heard rain, rumors of that. His defense isn't there on the perimeter. He's solid inside. But in the first game, he wasn't hitting anything. In the second game, he hit his first shot. And then he couldn't not hit shots. He was hitting three after three after three after three. And this is what we're going to see from Cole Swiper this year. His confidence is directly tied to if he's hitting shots early. And when he starts hitting shots, his confidence goes through the roof. He can hit anything from anywhere. And when guys have to close out on him early – He can head fake and get to the rim and score there. He's going to be a streaky player. He's not going to be consistent through the whole season, and his perimeter defense is an issue that he's working on. In fact, before the games even started, they were joking that he hadn't really had to focus on defense before he got to Villanova, and now he has to really learn how to play defense. Uh, And that shows. It shows, and it still is a skill he's developing. But offensively, He's the guy that you want to have – you're going to want to drop some plays for him early to see what happens. And if he's hitting them early, Jay's never going to take him out of the game.
0: I love it. I love those one-shot guys. You know, as soon as they make one, it's over for the other team. It's over for the other team. Brendan, we got some questions from the listeners. They want our takes on it, and uh, we'd like your help getting, getting some answers on. Are you ready? Absolutely.
2: Yeah, let's do this.
0: All right. Uh, first one is from Alberto J. For us to go far in March, how many players are we rotating this year in order to be successful? Are we looking at an eight or a nine-man rotation?
2: I'd say the eight, nine is about it. I can't pinpoint at, least at this moment who that would be other than to say that of the 11 guys you'll have available, assuming Brian Antoine's back by that point and nobody um, is injured, um, I'd say the only one that I think is definitely ruled out is Archie Diakono at that point. There will probably be at least one more. I don't know who that will be yet. Um, it just depends on how people develop. I would love the answer to be nine because that means enough of the freshmen have come along and developed to a point where they're contributing and they've earned their minutes. But that's asking a lot of freshmen. And we might just be in a case where, you know, Jay gets back to his eight man rotation. He sticks with his guys that he knows. And even in the eight man rotation, you know, two of those guys are barely scratching ten minutes a game and everybody else is playing huge minutes.
0: Yeah, eight nine is definitely that sweet spot. Nine also means that we've got a, a nice bench to lean on. So of course the more the merrier. But hopefully that answers your question, Alberto. The next question is from Fred Rung. He wants three keys to the season for the Cats, and there's three of us here, so I guess we could each give one. Chris, let's start off with you. Uh, What is one key to the season for the Wildcats this year?
1: Uh, Are we talking like year-end objective, or are we just saying like key to success type thing? Yeah, key to success, key to success. Uh, Backcourt play. I mean, we saw last year, uh, obviously, we're waiting for JQ to take over. and never did. Uh, Gillespie did pretty well for stretches at a time and, and didn't. Now you got more coming in, and he's looking like he's going to be pretty good, as according to Brendan. Uh, you got Sadiq Bey playing uh, point forward. I know he's considered a forward, but I think a lot's going to be determined on the backcourt play. And if the guards are going to play well, I, I think Villanueva is going to do A-OK this year. But if, you know, Gillespie... You know, falters a little bit, regresses, and more isn't you know, ready to take on big minutes, and it might be a little bit of a, a slow start. But I, I think one
2: key to success is definitely the backcourt.
0: Brendan, what's me, your key for this team?
2: For me, it's going to be how quickly and how far the defense progresses. Um, last year, Villanova dropped out of the top 30 in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency rankings – for the first time in like since 2013, uh, and it dropped all the way down to the 80s. Now, I'm not expecting them to get back into the top 25 or something like that, but they need to get back up into the the top 50, especially with a team this young. Uh, You'll notice that a lot of what I've said already has been, these guys are great, but they need to get better on defense. Uh, I'm really concerned about the defense this year, given how hard Jay's scheme is to pick up, given some of the ability for perimeter defense that some of these guys have, uh, especially when we're going to be relying more heavily on a larger uh, front court. Um, So we'll see how far they get. I'm not expecting them or anticipating them to come out the gate looking pretty in that department. Um, I think we're going to see some high-scoring games early on but I also think that they have the talent level and the athleticism to get there. So we'll see how that develops. I think that's going to be something key to watch.
0: My key kind of piggybacks off <laughs> that uh, it's going to be to establish an identity, but also definitely build chemistry. You know, last year we knew that it was going to be the Phil and Eric show the year before that we knew it was going to be Brunson and bridges and all the NBA guys this year. We don't know what it's going to look like. Half the team is new. Uh, outside of the junior trio of DCR, Gillespie, and Samuels, as well as Bay, can't forget him. But uh, everyone else has an average more than 10 minutes per game. These guys got to play together, they got to get experience playing with each other and just learn because it's going to be a little ugly in the beginning. And I'm totally ready for that. But the real point is to be better and play your best basketball in the second half, especially late in the year. So I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, who steps up early. Uh, what this team's going to look like and also what those rotations are going to look like and who's going to be the hero later. Um, I can't wait. I'm, I'm pretty curious for this team. Pretty excited. The next question is from Joe Rue uh, Rychowski. He's got a recruiting question. Uh, he said, the concern I see is keeping this level of success slash winning going. We don't really have anyone in the 2020 class and we whiffed on a few in 2021 you see any issues here? We will have Daniels next year, but I'd like to know what you think. Brendan, uh, you had the early look at Daniels in action, and I, and I know it's only a 30-minute scrimmage, and we're not going to see any of him until next year. But do you think we're in good hands for next year recruiting-wise with him being eligible?
2: I, I absolutely think we are. Daniels was, looks phenomenal. He's going to be a great addition next year no matter what. Obviously, we're in a wait-and-see mode with the guys that are currently on the team. No one other than Tim Saunders, uh, the walk-on, is going to graduate after this year. So we'll see who the NBA comes calling for. And to them, you know, obviously, if you can go in the first round, go. That, that's what we should be hoping for all of our guys, that they're playing well enough to get selected in the first round of the NBA draft. Uh, and then we'll see if Jay brings anyone in on the 2020 class because of that. Right now, that class recruiting is empty by design. There's one or two guys that could come in on the back end that are lower-rated recruits, but are the type of recruits that Jay Wright likes. You know, they'd be stopgap fillers. But my guess is he's going to Jay's going to save those scholarships for this 2021 class that he's working on. As far as Missing on some guys there, like uh, he, I, I assume he's talking about guys like Devin Askew, who Villanova seems to have fallen out of favor with. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call that whiffing, though. You're going to get tied to a, a – Villanova's been tied to like 10 or 15 top 50 recruits you can't bring in 10 or 15 guys you're you're gonna not you're not gonna get all of them that's just silly um where they have been getting a lot of play action for a lot of action with recently is guys like uh, uh aj uh i'm spacing on his last name
0: yeah griffin. aj
2: griffin that you were up to see recently uh guys like Langston love uh who's another really good shooting guard prospect. I I think Villanova has a lot of interest in. There's some other four-star guys that they've got a a lot of of built-up relationship with. Unfortunately, I don't have my recruiting article in front of me right now, so I, I can't speak to everybody's names. But I feel pretty strongly about the 2021 class and that the success that Jay had in this current freshman class is going to continue to carry over to that twenty twenty one class at some point when you know when you don't have any seniors and you don't have the nBA pulling four of your guys off the team you' you're, you're going to have a year when you don't add anybody because we just added five guys <laughs> we just don't have the scholarships to keep adding people We just don't have the
0: spots and as for twenty twenty one it's too early still a lot of time i think I think we're still good, not panicking yet. Not panicking yet.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't even use the word panicking. We're in a great spot with 2021.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know, we're tied to the good guys. Uh, You know, Jay's been making his rounds. Um, There's plenty of time to work. And even if we, quote, unquote, continue to whiff, I think we're at the point now where we can just kind of just show up.
2: Yeah, yeah, we we have that type of clout now.
0: Last one real quick. Um, So this is from Count Villain, the fifth. Uh, would you rather have a random kid in a fursuit or a living, breathing wildcat? Why can LSU have nice things but Villanova can't?
1: So, Chris, <laughs> live wildcat yeah. or a kid in a suit? See, I'm always for the live animals. Like, I'm all for it. I'm all for chaos. Like, just to see that thing potentially get loose at one of the games would be pretty funny. Um, no, that'd be all. Awesome. Uh, no, I, I would love a, a live animal. Like, like the, the Georgia Bulldog. Like, I know that's, like, a cute – little bulldog but like come on like how could you not be for pro live animal? like that would be so cool i don't know i don't want someone getting heat stroke in a fur costume but what do, what do you have to say about that
0: it's a good point first of all if we were to do a, a live wildcat i wouldn't even which cat would you choose would it be like a, a lynx would it be like a an ocelot like so, what, are, what are we looking at here
2: i i saw this question on twitter and i went and did some research earlier this evening um Villanova's wildcat most resembled a bobcat. Villanova actually had a live wildcat yeah, up through the, the 1950s. They had four of them in total. All of them were named Count Villain, Count Villain 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, they all were pretty much uh, replaced because they would like attack their handlers. and They um, were not really good types of animals to keep on campus in fact they hated the cold weather they're used to the southwest they really really were not meant to be stored at the field house which is where they were at. <laughs> um yeah it was not a good thing when villanova had these guys on campus in fact when in 1950 they just like yeah put a kid in a suit we're, we're not doing this anymore <laughs> um I, I think with that kind of background, uh, um, yeah, let's keep it with the mascot we have now. I'm perfectly happy there. But shout out to Countville, and I know he uh, named his Twitter handle after the original mascot. Would love to see something like that return in a safe capacity, but it doesn't sound like Wildcats are all that safe.
0: Okay, so I knew that there used to be live animals, but you know, it was kind of like the romanticized version. I did not know that's how it ended. It was like one of those things where it's yeah. like, they don't teach you the true history lesson until you're older. And, uh, yeah, you know, you're having me, you're having me reconsider. I think kid in a suit is, is, is good. It's good. <laughs> shout out to Count What a, That's a homie on Twitter. That's a, that's a good guy right there.
2: Yeah, he's a great follow if you don't already.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do so on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Megaphone—you have many, many options. Also, please make sure to check back at ViewHoops.com often, every day, all the time, twenty-four-seven, pumping out the preseason content. And also follow ViewHoops on Twitter and then Instagram at ViewHoops. You can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay Five, and
1: Brendan. Where can we find you?
2: Uh, you can follow me, Brendan Riley, at at Brendan Riley Thirty Seven.
1: And I'm Chris Van I still don't have any social media. Still off Twitter. I've checked in a couple times since we last been on the air, but very few, so I'm not good. Nova Nation,
0: we're glad to be back. One day we'll post the behind the scenes on how much we struggle to put this episode together, but we're happy to be here. <laughs> we're glad to be back, and we'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.